Visionaries Global Media, your number one source for podcasting entertainment. Good, bad, good, bad, good, bad, good. All right, welcome back to Good Cop, Bad Cop Baseball, episode eight. I think this is going to be an interesting one because uh, well, I'm going to say I think both of us are probably more known for not talking mm-hmm. baseball. Um, I got Connor with me today. Connor knows footy. Uh, we're going to find out if he knows any baseball as well. How are you doing this evening, Connor? I'm doing good, Graham. Uh, thank you for uh, having me on. Good to talk a little bit baseball um, out of my comfort zone, which is soccer and or football, depending on where you're from. Mm-hmm. But it's good to talk about um, other interests as well, other than oh, just absolutely. one single sport. Yeah, I would say I mainly talk wrestling, and to be honest, that's really me out of my comfort zone. Um, I liked talking about baseball, but I certainly wouldn't claim to be super knowledgeable, uh, but it's something I enjoy talking about. So this has been perfect. Like, over my summer holidays, I normally have a few teachers who I can kind of talk to, but being on holiday right now, I don't have any people I can talk to baseball, so uh, this is kind of cool. Um, obviously, with you being Connor knows footy, um, it would be a miss not to talk any uh, football at all. Now, my knowledge of MLS is is particularly weak as well. Um, I have tried multiple times to get into MLS and I've struggled. Um, my local team would be DC United. And this gives, I'm not sure, this tells how long it is since I've last watched. Uh, DC United always used to be challenging for titles and winning titles. Um, I took a quick look before we came on air. They're bottom of their division right now. So um, obviously not good times. I know Wayne Rooney is their, man, is their coach right now. But sounds like he's got a, a tough job though. Yeah, um, they're in a rebuild year right now. Um, Wayne Rooney, obviously a manager for Derby County. Then they had like the 21-point production, which led to them being relegated to League One in England. Um, Fantastic player um, Wayne Rooney was. He played for D.C. towards the end of his career. Mm -hmm. But I just just want to see what he'll he'll do um, in D.C., see if he's able to turn that uh, club around and get them challenging and getting into playoff spots. Um, He's had a year of manager experience uh, with Derby County, so I'm wondering how he would bring his um, experience with Derby into D.C. and um, see where it goes from there. I'm interested as well. Um, I I saw once Audi Field was being built, because originally the DC United used to play at RFK Stadium, and once that new stadium had been built, I, I love going to see new stadiums, so I was like, oh, we went there. It wasn't even for a DC United match. Uh, I don't know who it was. It was two local teams, but it was like, hey, if I can get inside the stadium. But yeah, they had big pictures of Wayne up at the time, because he was playing there. Um, I don't know much about his managerial style, except he does seem to be good with the players. I know once he'd left Derby, he paid their last month's wages, because that was part of the problem. They were super short on money. Um, he dug into to his own pocket he didn't have to do that he was already leaving at that point so um i think straight away i think he's generally a good guy he obviously has a lot of knowledge and experience having represented england so many times so mm-hmm. I, i'm hoping he can be good for dc united now i did look at the crew because i was kind of curious because i was like i have no idea how cr- the crew is doing um it seems like they're right in the middle right now looks like they're kind of mm-hmm. halfway between tops slightly closer to the top than bottom i think um sixth place uh in the east right now mm-hmm. um So in MLS, if you finish spots one through seven, you're a playoff team. Okay. Um, The first seed, or they they go by seeds in MLS. So like a lot of other American sports. 
go by seeding. If you're the number one overall seed in your conference, rather that be the East or the West, then you get a first round buy. So you buy a buy for people who may be overseas and don't understand how American sports work. Uh, a first round buy is essentially uh, you automatically move on to the next to the second round mm-hmm. of the playoffs when everybody else um, two through seven have to play each other. Yeah. And the mathematician in me straight away is thinking, what a weird system. Why wouldn't you just have eight teams in? Just got one more team in. One plays eight, two plays seven, three plays six, four plays five. You got a straight knockout. That, that sounds really strange to have upset. I was trying to figure out the math. I was like, somebody's obviously got to get a bye, but mm-hmm. hey, I, I guess the number one seed, I guess they deserve something uh, compared to the seventh team that makes it. So I, I guess that's okay that they get a slightly easier schedule. Yeah. Um, another thing that we don't have here in the States um, that's more of a European thing and a a broad thing is we don't have promotion and relegation here. So Mm -hmm. towards the end of the season, like we're heading towards the all-star break in a few weeks, teams at the bottom of, of the table on in every conference, they, they have nothing to play for. Mm -hmm. So it's like, we're, we're not fighting for survival. It's like, there's nothing, there's nothing there to, um, fight for the rest of the season. Yeah. So it's like we just tank the season, pray to the soccer gods that we have a good season next season. I guess the only thing you're playing for is a high draft pick. I, I assume the MLS draft kind of works the same. I don't know if it's a total lottery and or if the worst team automatically gets the first pick or they have a better chance of getting a first pick. But yeah, I, I do like that relegation and promotion battle. It definitely keeps it more exciting for those teams. Mm-hmm. I'm not familiar with how the draft works like at all for MLS. I know it's not like the NFL or the NBA or the NHL, but I don't know how it works. I, yeah, I, I was trying to think. As soon as I mentioned it, I was like, okay, I know all the other ones work. And I was suddenly like, I have no idea for the MLS at all. Um, I'm assuming there's something because they want comparability as well. They don't want to have the – they want teams to be as close as possible to each other because then it makes the, the games more exciting. Now, we are talking baseball today. Now, right. I was as I was looking through, I was like – because my, my in-laws are in Ohio. So I was like, mm-hmm. I think I've been to pretty much every team in Ohio. So I started looking through online to see who they were. Um, Akron Rubber Ducks, check. Cincinnati Reds, check. Cleveland Guardians, well, I, I saw them as the Indians, so check. Uh, Dayton Dragons, check. Lake County Captains, check. Mahoning Valley Scrappers, check. Although apparently they're just a collegiate team now. They were minor league when I went to see them. Uh, Toledo Mudhens, check. The only one I haven't made it to, as far as I can tell, is your hometown Clippers. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't been to a Clippers game in a long time. Um, probably the first Clippers game I went to was, I was probably nine years old at the time, uh-huh. nine or 10, somewhere around then. Um, but yeah, that's how my, uh, love for baseball started going to these, uh, Clippers games and watching them in person. Cause it's like, whoa, like, you know, you're a little kid. It's like, yeah. um, everything, it just seems so much bigger to you and to see the, um, amount of support that a AAA minor league team has mm-hmm. in Columbus, it's it's amazing. And and the ballpark, if you haven't been there, it's absolutely beautiful. Um, I think it's one of the newer esque um, ballparks mm-hmm. in AAA, but it's it's worth it. And it's cheap too. 
I should say I have tried to go and see the Clippers. Like normally I'm in Ohio for like a week at a time. And every time that I'm there, they're always like, oh, let's see where the Clippers schedule is on the road. Like I've tried four or five times. And right now our schedules just haven't synced up. Uh, this summer's unusual. This will probably be the first summer in about 10 years when I've not been to Ohio. Uh, so, yeah, I guess it's going to be on the back burner for another year. But, yeah, no, say if you've got triple A, those, those are the players for people that don't follow baseball that closely. Because I know we have a few casual listeners. They're the one next step away from being on the show. They're going to be on the MLB teams next. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, and, and like you said, the price, that, that's why I love minor league baseball. You just can't go wrong at those prices. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, yeah, all the different promotions they have, the deals. It's a fun time. It's a fun time. So, to players. The the Clippers do a thing every year, and they do it like once a month called Diamond Dog Night, uh-huh. where hot dogs are like ten cents. Uh-huh. From what I've heard, the people show out for Diamond Dog Night, and I think beer is like four dollars. Uh, well, Oof. I think that's good. I, I that's very good. At I think it, I think it's like. Dime a dog and like two dollar beers or something. <laughs> if you time it right, yeah, you just can't go wrong. I know when I went when I was on the West Coast, um, I remember I don't remember how much sodas were. I think sodas were a dollar, uh, hot dogs were a dollar, uh, parking was I don't know five dollars or something like that. I paid less for my. I think in in total, it the ticket was only like ten dollars as well. Like it's ridiculous. You could get into a major league game, get parking get food, get a drink, and it was like $20. So, yeah, if you time it right, but you got to time it. you got to mm-hmm. find those days when you can do that. But, yeah, I think my local team does $2 tacos. I think $2 Taco Tuesday, I think, is their thing. They're just trying to get all – yeah. Yeah, if you can find them, there's some good deals to be had for sure. The great thing about the minor leagues is there's oh, there's something going on. Every every home series, there's something going on. Bobblehead night. Uh, yeah discounted concessions there's there's always something we drove two and a half hours uh just under two weeks ago to go and get an orioles bobblehead we had other things we were doing on the way because it was like hey if we're going to go over there let's make a day of it um but yeah you could get those bobbleheads i think tickets for that were like ten dollars and straight away looking on ebay they're already these bobbleheads are already going for forty dollars as well like you could almost you could just put it straight up on ebay and you've covered the cost of the game as well depending on who the player is as well obviously but yeah if you can find those cool bobbleheads that fans really want then um yeah, it's it's a it's definitely a bargain to be get if you can get those and fireworks as well. Um, with young kids, firework night's always one that they're happy to go to as well. But yeah, I don't think there's anything comparable. Like I don't think there's anything comparable in soccer, uh, football, whatever you want to call it. I just don't unless MLS does anything. I haven't seen any amazing promotions uh, when I used to go to a few DC United games. I think the only deals were you can get like tickets ten dollars off or something like that. I don't think they. I don't think they quite do the same. Yeah, I don't think they put in the same effort into it. No. Yeah. All right, let's talk. Let's get into our first segment then. Let's talk about some good cop moments of baseball. Good. Bad. All right, guests always get to go first. I was a little worried for a second, Connor, because it looked like you'd lost your notes, but I think everything's all right now. Mm-hmm. So, what is your main good cop moment for baseball? So, um, my main goal good cop moment for this week is um rookie reds rookie pitcher hunter green um this is a chorusry of stats by stats at stats by stats on twitter and they say hunter green of the reds is the only mlb rookie in the modern era to have three games 
in which he threw six plus innings with eight plus strikeouts and no more than one hit allowed May 15th, June 6th, and yesterday. Um, and then they go on to say no pitcher in the modern era, rookie or not, has had more than three such games in a season. And he just threw, and that was three of those, is that consecutive games? I couldn't tell that. I don't think it is, because there's a bit of a gap. It was May 15th and June 6th. But even within that, that's kind of a short window, though. That's Mm -hmm. still May, June, July. Like, he still has April, he's still got August, and he's still got September. And nobody else has managed three. That that is pretty impressive. Now, for people that don't know baseball stats as well, six innings plus is a quality start. That's kind of like the benchmark for pitchers. So you're always looking for your starter to go six, and then you can bring your bullpen in. Uh, eight strikeouts, so that's more than one strikeout per inning as well. Uh, but also not to give up one, no more than one hit allowed. I misread it to begin with. I thought it said no more than one run allowed, and I was still impressed with that stat. No more than one hit. That that's yeah, that's super impressive. Gotta admit, I haven't heard of Hunter Green, but I guess if he's a rookie, I guess he's still under a lot of people's radar right now. Mm-hmm. And another thing about the, the Reds right now is they've won 13 of the last 20. So Okay. They were really struggling at the start of the season. Like, I, th- I can't remember exactly, but they were, were they like 4-20 and 20 or so? It was something close to that. They just could not seem to buy a win early on in the season. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, sometimes it's just need that momentum sometimes. You get, lose that confidence and it can really affect a team. But, yeah, yeah. That's, that's much yeah. better. Do you know where he ranks on their um, starting rotation? Like, normally you've got your five starting pitchers. Do you have any idea where Hunter Green is on that list? I, I don't know, okay. honestly. They traded half their starting rotation away. <laughs> I was so, just wondering, because I know Luis Castillo's gone to the the Mariners. Like, he was the number one pitcher. So I'm just wondering if, and with people like that going, though, perhaps, I wonder if that's part of the thinking, though, as well. Like, if you've got people like this rookie Hunter Green, who's probably signed up for a few years at a low cost, perhaps it's like, hey, you know what? I think this guy's going to be okay. We can probably make a business decision and trade away some of these other players. Mm-hmm. They're trading away players for prospects, which I don't know how that would fan out. Um, but okay, that, I think that's one way you got to be patient. Like you know, they're not going to be good for this year. They're not going to help you this year. Uh, but no. if you take the long term picture, you're hoping that they're going to be good in two, three years. But you just don't know. They could turn out to be nothing. It might be a total bust. But you can have that with draft picks though as well. I started to look back at some old drafts just out of curiosity, and I'm looking through and I'm like, no idea who that is, no idea who that is, no idea who. And this was like drafts from 10 years ago, so it's you never know in baseball. It seems like it's one of the hardest sports to scout for. Like when you for, for soccer, you kind of know who the good players are, and you can kind of get a feel for whether the. It just doesn't seem the same for baseball. Like some of the top players work out, some of them just never. Make, like I remember seeing Bryce Harper when he came through, and it was obvious as a seventeen-year-old, eighteen-year-old. You're like, this guy is going to be phenomenal, and um, he was. But then there's other ones you just, yeah, you just don't seem to know. So, I, I guess that's <laughs> I guess that's the lottery of it. I guess that's why you get several prospects, and if you have enough of them. Oh, you're hoping that some of them come through. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, you actually just found um, there was another player who just got traded for the Reds. I think there's been three. Luis Castillo. Um, I saw probably about two hours before we came on air, I saw that there was another pitcher who'd got traded. And then literally just as we came on air, there was like a, a third one. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of change on the Reds for sure. Okay. So I can tell you the transactions today via Reds 
Twitter, if I can pull it up. Um, so today they trade, uh, this was just tweeted 13 minutes ago as of right now. They have uh, just acquired catcher Austin Rami from the Cardinals in exchange for cash. Okay. Consideration. Wolfwad, man. Wow, they're really busy right now. Uh, I think at the time of recording, I think this is the last day, right? I think this is the last day you can mm-hmm. make changes. Yeah, I think so. I think. Okay. And then there was the, I don't know the pitcher's name, but there was the guy from the, the there was some switch with the twins as well. Was it like Marley or something? Uh, Tyler Marley, yes. Um, yeah. They traded him to Minnesota. So, yeah, there's uh, been a lot of business going on. And, uh, yeah, I had to break to my son today. I was like, sorry, <laughs> they just traded Trey Mancini. And, um, yep, your all-star reliever is gone as well. So it's a little tough as a baseball fan. If your team is perhaps in the bottom half, you you know that you're probably going to be – that's the way it goes. That's the baseball business. You're probably going to be trading people and hoping to be better in two or three years down the road. But, yeah. It's uh, it's tough for sure. Now, on my last episode, I actually recorded back-to-back episodes because I actually thought I was going to be in New York last week and it didn't pan out at all. So for my main good cop moment, I actually want to talk about something that was, we're talking a bit over a week ago. Um, I want to talk about the Hall of Fame. I haven't had a chance to talk about it at all. Uh, being a big Red Sox fan, obviously the top of the card for this one was uh, David Ortiz. Um, many years for the Red Sox, uh, three World Series, like multiple walk-off home runs just big moments um a guy who was not just a baseball player uh but was kind of like a beloved character within the city i'm thinking back to the boston marathon um the bombing that happened there and him coming out and basically saying what everybody was thinking dropping the f-bomb uh big pappy can get away with stuff like that and um also the other players that made it as well normally when i think of the the hall of fames and i didn't see all these these growing up but i've seen a few since i've been in the states i always think it's like two people possibly three main people and for this year it was just really david ortiz and then it was the mm-hmm. veterans committee who actually put some people in and i have to admit when i looked at some of these i was like i actually thought they were in or for some of them it was like Thank God, this player should have been in a long time ago. Uh, Brooklyn Dodgers, Gil Hodges, um, was somebody I'd heard talk about multiple times. Uh, played around the same time, I believe, as Jackie Robinson. I think it was the 50s. Uh, pitcher Jim Cat, Minnie Minoso, I was shocked. I genuinely thought Minnie Minoso was somebody who was uh, already in the Hall of Fame. Um, he was the first known black Latino player in the majors. So he, um, Roberto Clemente talked about the fact that he was our Jackie Robinson, basically. So he had a big influence on different players. Is. I still don't know how you pronounce his name. The Twins outfielder, Tony Oliver. Olivia, I, I, perhaps I'm overthinking it. Perhaps it's just Oliver. I'm not sure. Uh, Bud Fowler, the first black professional player who uh, Jackson and I, I'm going to do a quick plug here. Jackson talked about on JGB Sports Podcast this week because uh, we were interested to find out a little bit more. Actually, it was two weeks ago because uh, we were recorded actually on time for that. And the one that I was most pleased about uh, was Buck O'Neill. Uh, the face of Negro League Baseball. If you've watched Ken Burns' documentary, he was kind of the first person that kind of introduced us to a lot of these core characters. Uh, people like Satchel Paige, who probably won over a thousand games in his career, which is just insane. Uh, Josh Gibson, who was behind the plate, who was basically uh, the Black Babe Ruth. Um, you've got people like Cool Papa Bell. Just a lot of these characters with fun names. Uh, Double Duty. Uh, we used to play two games. Um, 
I was so pleased he was in. It's just a shame that they couldn't have done it before he died. Um, he must have been in his 80s when he was recording with Ken Burns anyway, and it just seemed like such an obvious one, uh, such a pioneer um, in baseball. Um, I think he was one of the first coaches as well, uh, one of the first black coaches. I think he was part of the Cubs organization at that time. Uh, but yeah, no, the Hall of Fame class this year, I thought it was good. I was ple- clearly pleased to see David Ortiz. Uh, but some of those players who should have been in years before, I don't know what those people who do who get the votes. Some of them, it's like a real head shaker. Like, I know one of the mm-hmm. weird things is like, no, I don't think anyone's had 100% voting. Like, come on. Like, how could Babe Ruth not get 100% of the votes? Yeah. Or how could somebody, how could somebody like Nolan Ryan not get 100%? So, yeah, there's some strange things that go on with that voting. But I, I was really pleased for this uh, this this class of 2022. Um, I think how the voting works, I think it's like commissioner gets a vote, media gets a certain number of votes, and I think the players and the managers get a certain amount of votes too. I could be wrong though. I know the um, I know that there's certain journalists that do, and there's some that mm-hmm. refuse to vote on the first year for some reason. I don't know why why they think that that's important, but yeah, I don't think anyone's had a hundred. I think it's getting up that way. I think there's been some recently. It's like ninety. I think Mariana Rivera was pretty close, uh, and I think Derek Jeter was pretty close as well. But um, yeah, it's a weird system. Yeah. But I'm yeah. glad that they have that veterans committee who go back and look and go. You know what? We actually got this one wrong. Uh, mm-hmm. This player probably should be in, but yeah, Mini Minoso was a shocker to me. Like, I didn't watch that era at all, but I've heard his name mentioned multiple times. And it was like, really? So, yep, they yeah. get it wrong sometimes. Now, for our speed check, we have around ninety seconds, but I don't, I don't set the time. I, we, this is kind of a, a little bit more relaxed than it is on our wrestling version of this. So, anything else that you considered a good cop moment, Connor? Um. I got nothing else. I said all mine in the first okay. uh, cop moment. All right, that's fine. Um, I got one that I saw that caught my eye. This is this was actually I had this prepared um, a little bit earlier, so some of these are a little bit outdated. These are probably from about seven to ten. I tend not to choose anything super current, uh, so then I can always, if I need to record on a different day, it's like huh, I can still run with it. Um, this was from CNN uh, by Rebecca Rios and uh, Tina Burnside. Uh, former sports star Bo Jackson covered all funeral expenses for the families of the victims of the Uvalde school mass. So they would have one last thing to worry about as they grieved, said a statement from Texas Governor Greg Abbott. Quote, the true spirit of our nation is Americans lifting up one another in times of need and hardship. We are truly grateful for the generosity of Texans and Americans like Bo Jackson, who have stepped up to help in the aftermath of the shooting at Robb Elementary School. When we asked people to support the Uvalde community in the days after, Bo did not hesitate in reaching out to my office to offer his help to the grieving families, close quote. Uh, Uvalde Mayor Don McClone told CNN that Jackson flew in personally and presented a check for $170,000 to Abbott uh, while in Uvalde to cover expenses. So obviously the whole situation is obviously absolutely terrible. When you've got to add in things like, wow, you've suddenly got to find money to bury your children as well. Uh, just an awful situation. Um, 
So good on Bo Jackson stepping in, uh, helping out in whatever way he can. And um, and like I say, I didn't see this massively talked about either. I don't think this. I don't think it's like a publicity stunt or anything. This was one I just casually noticed um, like a week afterwards or two weeks afterwards. Um, but yeah, good on Bo for doing that. But yeah, the fact that he mm-hmm. flew in personally, um, obviously wanted to react with the people who were there. He could have easily just written a check and mailed it straight to them or wired the money or whatever. But great to see our sports stars whenever possible trying to play a positive role. Um, Mm-hmm. In, in in social issues like this mm-hmm. probably a good job i went second on that yeah <laughs> i know sometimes i have the really serious ones and it's like yeah that's normally why i go at the end uh that'd be kind mm-hmm. of follow. all right well we talked about the good in baseball um perhaps with some of the teams that we support and some of our moves we just talked about perhaps there's more to talk about on the bad side but i guess we'll find out in a second All right, bad cop moment time it is. What you got for us, Connor? The Reds, man. We're 20 games behind um, the wild card. It's like we read off the season when it started. It's like, but it's one of those things. You choose your favorite team when you're nine years old, and then and then you have to suffer the rest of your life for it. It's like it's never ending with this organization. Now, I'm actually just wondering, from your location, you're probably about, are you equidistant, would you say, between Cleveland and Cincinnati? It's got to be fairly close. So, from where I'm at, Cincinnati is an hour and a half south Okay. from where I'm at. Okay. And Cleveland is about three hours north. Oh, okay. In that case, my geography yeah. at times is terrible. Okay. Um, all right, fair enough then. So I was just wondering if there was a point where you could have actually chosen which team you wanted, and um, it would. I know you. I know you're very young as well, because I could say the Indians, their World Series kind of appearances were before you were born, uh, but they probably still had a strong team, probably in the early 2000s, mid 2000s. The one that I remember the most was the 2016 World Series when sure. I believe when when the Cubs won it. Uh huh. And I believe that was the last time a Cleveland uh, sports team won a championship because the 2017-2018 Cavaliers couldn't do it. Well, they went. Well, they went to the finals, but they didn't win. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, 2016 was really the last year, for my personal experience, that Cleveland sports was relevant because um, the Browns they didn't do anything. Nah. They went like 0 and 16 that year. <laughs> <laughs> I went to the season when it was 1 and 15, and I was actually there at the one game that they won. They were 0 and 15 going into the last game, and the tickets were dirt cheap, and it was Christmas, and we were in town, and we're like, shoot, let's go and see a Browns game, and don't regret it at all. The atmosphere was phenomenal, but mm-hmm. then I think the next season they went 0 and 16. So they were like 1 for 31 or something in two years. So yeah, no, the Browns are, were not good when I when I've seen some of those. No. Actually, I think I might be the only person. I've been to two Browns games, and they won them both. Um, I went to a preseason game as well, which I know doesn't count for much. But, hey, it was one of those things. No, I was trying to figure out exactly if it was one of those choices where sometimes you have more than one choice for a team. Like, if you live in L.A., you got a choice. If you live in New York, you kind of got a choice as well. You don't have to pick mm-hmm. one team. But, no, I, for some reason, I, I, was, I had a feeling that Columbus was closer to Cleveland than it was to Cincinnati. But, nope, once again, didn't didn't figure that one out at all. Um, 
Yeah, no, it's it's tough. You you go with that team that's closest, and uh, I guess that's the kind of thing with sport, though. You have your ups and you have your downs. If you're following um, a soccer team in England, it tends to balance out a little bit because if you do get relegated, you're in a <laughs> you're showing your Arsenal shirt right now. <laughs> um, if you're in, if you do happen to get relegated, so I'm not really talking Premier League teams. I'm t- kind of talking the next mm-hmm. level now. Um, if you do get relegated, the next league is so much easier in comparison that you tend then to the next season get a lot of wins, and then often you'll get bounced back up again, mm-hmm. and then you're in that same position. Oh, now you're in a much more mm-hmm. so it tends to bounce out. But yeah, not for. Yeah, it doesn't work like that in uh, in American sports, particularly, and except for the draft. I'm kind of hopeful that the O's. We we just got Jackson Holiday. Uh, we have got Adley Rushman up right now. Uh, some of those trades they've just meant trying to bring in some new players, but yeah, you can go years without any success. The thing the thing about American sports is what a lot of um, Europeans don't understand because they don't have that. American sports is a monopoly, and it's like what can we do to make more profit? Mm-hmm. It's pretty much it. All it is. It's, it's about money um, at the end of the day. Um, yeah. I was yeah. trying to re- remember. I, I went to the old uh, stadium in Cincinnati and probably around 2000. So I'm not sure if it was riverfront. Um, I think to... it was riverfront. And then I was trying to think of the new one, the great American ballpark. Do you have any mm-hmm. idea when that so, came? 2005, so, 2006, I'm trying to remember. So, for example, um, so I'm 19 years old, right? So, Great American Ballpark is as old as I am, and it was built in 2003. Oh, it was, oh wow, okay. It was, it was built, it was opened in March of 2003. I was born in uh, late July of 2003. So that's not even so, a new stadium. In my mind, that's like a new stadium. And you just told me it's, not, it's nearly 20 years old. Wow. Okay. Huh. Yeah. It's a beautiful stadium, though. <laughs> I, I've been there a few times. I went by myself a couple of times. I took my son uh, one time as well. But um, it's not a bad place to watch it. Um, so I was trying to think of sort of the – for people that don't know, the classic team for the, the Reds would be the 70s. So the Great Red Machine. They had players like Johnny Bench. Um, oh, I'm already blanking. Joe Morgan. Um, Barry Larkin, I think. Or was he the 90s? Barry Larkin, I think, was, uh, yeah, I think that was more 80s. Uh, but, yeah, they had a few. T- the, the last time I probably, perhaps not the last time I went to Cincinnati, but when I went to the first time when I went to the Great American Ballpark, you had Ken Griffey Jr. on your team. You had, um, I want to say, Jim Tomey as well. It was, it was. If it wasn't Jim Tomey, it was one of those power hitters. Um, they were exciting to watch. So there's definitely ups and downs on a team, and um, yeah, it kind of sucks when it's right now when it's on a down. I mentioned to you beforehand, like right now, if you ask me who plays for the Reds, I only know Joey Votto, and that's only because he's been there for a long, long time. Um, but yeah, it's. Yeah, it can be frustrating. Um, I've got a similar thing with the Washington Nationals right now. Even though that's my local team, now Juan Soto has been traded. Uh, I'm struggling to tell you names. Um, yeah. yeah. The only positive side is the chick- the tickets normally get a little bit cheaper when they're playing badly. So you can get to a few more games and you can get to see them play against teams that are good. So you get to see some of their players as well. But yeah, it's, uh, it's tough. Now for my main bad cop moment, um, I saw this multiple times on social media uh, for a while. I sent you the picture of this as well. Cause I wanted you to be able to see some of these things that are on here. Uh, but it was an article about the cost for a family to go to a baseball game. Um, it, it breaks it up by ticket, 
bit price of a beer, price of a soda, price of a hot dog, price of parking, and then the total. Now, I wasn't totally surprised to see that the worst place in terms of expense is uh, Boston. Probably because their stadium's so small, so that kind of puts a premium on the prices. Um, $324 for four people to go to a baseball game. Um, that's expensive. Um, I think that's one of the reasons why, and you already talked about it, the minor league teams, it's so much more affordable. And Mm -hmm. I think when I looked at this, I was like, yeah, I can see why I don't go to so many games. It's just Mm -hmm. much more appealing to go to a a minor league game. Now, people are actually criticizing this list straight away. Um, One of the ones they picked out straight away was, where on earth are you parking in Boston for $23? They were like, there is no way you're paying for, unless you're parked like two miles away. So there was a lot of querying over some of these prices. I'm trying to find a few more on here. Um, And New York Yankees, $3 for a hot dog. Now, I'm going to call that one out. Um, I remember going to New York Yankee Stadium, the new one, and I was appalled how much I paid for the food. So I don't think there's any way you're getting a $3 hot dog. Um, I think that one's totally wrong. Um, You also talked about $4 beers here. Um, Boston Red Sox, it says $9.50. New York Yankees, $6. See, I'm not buying that at all. I think, once again, I think that's way too low. New York Mets, $12 for a beer. I think that's kind of the image I have in my head right now. If you're going to buy a beer at a stadium, and for me, that's not a big thing personally um it's ten dollars it's ten dollars they have hot dogs actually listed for baltimore at three dollars and i'm definitely calling that out because i know that that's not true so i'm wondering if they go for kind of like those promotions that you talked about and they just picked out the lowest price the reason i know it's not three dollars is um it's the 30th year anniversary right now and they had a promo where all the prices were what they were when the stadium opened in 1992 so i think it was about two dollars for a hot dog at that point but the regular price for the hot dog was like now it's like seven dollars, eight dollars, and um, yeah, it's expensive. Um, the cheapest seats, uh, if you can, if you're in Arizona, hundred and twenty six dollars. I think that's pretty decent for four people. I think it works out at thirty people. Like I'm not sure how many beers you necessarily want on that. Um, what's this? Oh, it says the beers are four. Uh, t- is that four ninety nine? Uh, I'm I'm calling that's that five dollar beers. Yeah. yeah, that sounds a little low. Now, your Reds on here, let's have a look. One, two, three, four, five. There's five teams lower than the Reds. Uh, it says the average ticket price for the Reds is $24. That's pretty good. Um, parking looks like it's about $10.48. That's a very strange price, $10.48. Oh, I guess they did an average. Uh, $157 for four people. Uh, Baltimore, just a little bit above you, $168. Um, I would agree. Baltimore is pretty reasonable, actually. They've been doing a lot of good promotions. I, I don't think the food's particularly cheap, but you can actually take your own food into the baltimore stadium so that's how you get your money back for that one the one to me that really stood out that was absolutely appalling is fifth one on the list the washington nationals who were awful i think to be is a fair way of putting it uh, the average ticket price it says is 50 dollars. now i actually think that's a little high actually um i've seen seats much cheaper than that i'm not quite sure where they're getting that price from uh beer 9.95 i can i'm nodding my head i agree with that soda's about six dollars i'm nodding my head with that one hot dogs 6.95 i'm nodding my head for that uh parking 24 dollars and 30 um i know when i used to go regularly four or five years ago it was 20 dollars. so is it 25 dollars now i can absolutely believe that's true um average 279 dollars for four people 
fifth on the list, and they have a team that is absolutely abysmal. How are the Washington Nationals more expensive to go to than the Los Angeles Dodgers? L.A. is not a cheap city. <laughs> and also, they have a team that's actually good. And same for the New York Mets as well. How is it New York baseball is cheaper than Washington baseball? So my bad cop moment is overall the price of trying to get to a baseball game. It's really difficult to do with a family of four right now. But in general, Washington Nationals, massively overpriced. I have to agree with you. Everything is at the point where it's expensive right now. Yeah. Yeah. Money's tight for everybody. Price of gas has gone up. Price of food's gone up. Price of heating's gone up. Price of everything's gone up. Um, and if you're trying to get people... And that makes me worried about the future of the game, though. Like, if people aren't going to the games... That's going to be a problem. That's going to really cut into their margins at some point. Um, yeah, I think the best advice is, who said earlier, go to a minor league game. <laughs> you pay mm -hmm. a fraction of that price. And I think in many cases, it's a lot more fun. You can interact with the players a lot more. Um, and you're a lot closer to the action. So, yeah, that was my main right. bad pop moment right. for sure when I saw that. Anything on a speed check? Anything else that you saw this week that caught your eye that you'd consider to be a bad moment? Um, no, you've said it. Um, I got nothing else. Okay. Now, I actually changed my... I actually had one. Uh, but with you being from Ohio, I actually changed my moment and actually switched it for the for the next episode. Now, I started reading a book called uh, Baseball Babylon by Dan Gutman. And it's all about perhaps the darker side of baseball, we'll say. And chapter two I was reading about, it's called Suicides, Murders, and Untimely Deaths. Now, the untimely death is the one I want to talk about, uh, with you being from Ohio, because the person is Ray Chapman. Ray Chapman, who used to play for the Cleveland Indians. I'm hoping Matt is listening to this, because I know he loves it when I go, not just something current, but way, way ago. I'm going back to 1920. I'm going back to August, I think August 16th, 1920, if I remember correctly. Now, somebody predicted there's about a quarter of a million pitchers thrown every season. Um, and in the last 100 years, only one person has died from the result of a pitch. And that person was Ray Chapman. Uh, the pitch was by New York Yankees player Carl Mays. Um, and Carl Mays, the, this was like bad cop into bad cop into bad cop into bad cop. Just the fact that Ray Chapman died from being hit by a baseball, clearly bad cop moment. What I didn't realize is from reading this book, there's more to this story. Um, in spring training that year, a teammate of Carl Mays actually got hit by a pitch, uh, put him in a wheelchair for a month. He couldn't talk for a week, um, and it really kind of affected his pitching style. He used to be one who used to kind of, if people were crowding the plate, he's going to throw one near your chin so you back off a little bit. And he kind of stopped doing that. Um, in general, he had excellent control. In 26 innings of World Series pitching, he didn't give up a single walk. Oof, that's pretty impressive. Now, there is some debate about what happened on the pitch. How did it get away from him? Did he really try and hit him in the head? Did he try and get him back him off the plate? Or was it an accident and it slipped out? Balls do slip when you're pitching, that's for sure. He actually blamed the umpires and said that the ball was scuffed. The umpires actually claimed that he was the one that did the scuffing and he used to kind of rub the ball on the plate. Mm. So there is a bit of an argument about what was going on for this. This was supposed to be a happy occasion. He was actually going for his 100th mm. win in this game and uh, didn't happen anyway. 
Um, after he hit Chapman um, in the head, he had to be helped off the field. Um, he was struggling to talk, but he did manage to say, hey, tell Mays not to worry. I'm going to be OK. And it didn't seem to affect Mays at all. He carried on pitching uh, sixth, seventh, eighth inning. He retired nine straight people. Now, the reason this gets into a bad cop moment afterwards is not just the fact that obviously Ray Chapman died, but the teammates it affected really badly. Uh, Tris Speaker said before the funeral suffered a nervous breakdown and he collapsed at Ray's funeral. Um, Carl Mays didn't attend. He said he would have felt wrong turning up, um, which I could understand. That would have been pretty awkward for him. Um, Chapman's roommate became hysterical and had to be restrained at the funeral and also fainted. So two of the people who were supposed to be pallbearers of this thing just couldn't take part in it at all. Um, the next game that Carl Mays pitched, he had to shout warnings on pitchers that got away from him. Because he was like, oh, shit, what, well, well, I can only imagine the psyche of uh, that would affect somebody. If you just got hit in the head by a pitch and you got to go pitching again and you see it going towards somebody. So particularly just bad things happen to him. Now, bad cop moment, Carl Mays should be in the Hall of Fame. He has 208 wins and only 126 losses. Uh, his ERA is 2.92. Now, I did look at the class of 2023 who's coming up. It looks very, very weak. One person that was mentioned as a strong contender is Matt Cain. He has 104 wins and 118 losses with an ERA of 3.68. How on earth can Carl Mays not be in the Hall of Fame, but Matt Cain is being talked about being in the Hall of Fame? There's another bad cop moment. Um it sounds like one of the stories, like for the wrestling, like the the Von Eriks, like the bad look they had. This sounded like the same thing happened to these guys too. Uh, Ray's daughter, who was born six months after he died, caught measles and died aged one. Uh, his wife killed herself by drinking cleaning fluid eight years later. Uh, never attended another game because it traumatized her so much. Uh, Carl Carl Mays's wife died in her mid thirties from an eye infection. That does not sound something. Um, the only person that had a long life after this was Carl Mace. He lived until 1971, uh, but it said it tortured him like every single day when he thought about that pitch. So I wanted to talk a little bit about that story. I did go and see Ray Chapman's grave last time I was in Cleveland because uh, it was just around the 100th anniversary of his death. But right. yeah, tragic story in baseball. Um, thankfully, it's only been one person, but the number of people's lives it affected and the negative effect it had on a lot of people afterwards was just something I wanted to talk about this week. When you think about baseball, baseball is considered a quote-unquote non-contact sport. Yeah. You know, you, you really, when it comes to baseball, you're really not thinking a whole lot about head injuries as you would, you know, uh, hockey or football or soccer where you're, you know, you're throwing yourself against another person pretty sure. much the whole game. And I think uh, that's one of the reasons why they – um wear helmets batters do yep. now yep because like i i can't tell you how many pitches i've seen that get away from the pitcher and hits the batter straight like in the dome yeah and you know just thinking if he wasn't wearing a helmet it would have a killed him or yep. b paralyzed him for the rest of his life sure so you, you just never know it's, I'm going to say, when you look back at it now, and I know it's 100 years ago, but it just seems so weird to imagine somebody now batting without a helmet. It just seems such common sense that you'd do that. Um, I know the thing that shocked me, um, one of the most in regards to that, was um, I started looking at hockey books. My son had an interest in hockey for a few years. So I started getting books and looking at pictures. Like, even the goaltenders didn't wear helmets. 
Like, can you imagine having a hockey puck fired at you and not wearing a helmet? This is like in the 60s as well. This is not like, we're not going back hundreds of years. We're going back like 50 years or 60. Like, that makes no sense. And the players, you saw them all the time skating around with that. Like, if you slip and crack your head on the ice, that's not a good... Um, Yeah, some of the safety things in sport, like some of them are like, why did it take so long? But, yeah. Before, um, like, the first hockey helmet, well, for like goalies, it was like a Jason Voorhees mask where they yeah. like pull it over their face, and yeah. like that's not going to protect you. Yeah. Now um, they're all like they they cover the whole head, and now they got like the cage. Sorry to cut you off. Yeah. No, no, no. You're right. I, I remember as soon as you mentioned that, I remember mm-hmm. looking at like the evolution of the mask and what when you think of like the helmets that they wear now, and it's got all the front protection on. And mm-hmm. but yeah, the fir- first ones, it was like that doesn't offer any protection at all. Like you might as well not even bother. Uh, it was so weak. But yeah, it's um, it's really strange. Um, I know the one thing that did come out of this. Obviously, people didn't immediately start wearing helmets actually for for baseball. The thing that changed was they would swap the balls out more. One of the issues was um, the old balls they used to save because it was they didn't want to spend on them but you couldn't see them in the dark and i think that was the thing i think i think my son mentioned it when i said i was going to talk about ray chapman today i think he said there was a shadow over him the whole time so he just didn't see the ball come into him um yeah. obviously they have lighting now they get brand new balls every game and it makes a big difference but uh yeah you can't put the price on somebody's life switching out a baseball for a new game just seems like a no-brainer then, with the I, money they have another there. thing then another thing is this happened a Cubs game a couple years ago. The a foul ball hit somebody right in the head and like mm-hmm. knocked them out. Mm-hmm. So now they had they extended that netting. They did. down the right and left field lines mm-hmm. from like the netting they had behind home plate. They uh-huh. extended it, but yeah. it's like you know you see it. Like I sat, I I haven't been to a Reds game in a long time, but I sat like two row like so. Here's the right field netting, and then the, you have that. Of seats. Uh-huh. I sat in the second row behind that first row, mm-hmm. and when a ball came, it was a foul ball, and it hit the netting. Yeah. And it, it, I was a row, I was a row behind, um, the people in front of me. But it's like I jumped because yes. it's like a reactionary thing. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh yeah, instinct definitely kicks in on that. They did show. I think it was Toronto. Um, there was a female fan. I'm gonna guess she was in. 60s or 70s and she did not flinch at all like when they went when it went straight through and it showed you her face and she she'd obviously been watching games for years but for me i'm with you once you see that ball coming towards you it's like oh you kind of naturally move out the way just to uh just to make sure yeah no that's the only thing that's the only thing i don't like about the netting i, I love i love it for the safety purposes and it, it should absolutely stay but having been starting to watch the, um, the captain the Derek jeter series on espn um we're going back to two early 2000s it shows you some of the some of the plays that he makes in the playoffs where he's sprinting right to where the edge of the field is catches it and then goes into the crowd and it looks absolutely phenomenal you can't do that now you can't do that because there's a net there. So it does make a difference on some of those plays. But, uh, yeah, the, the, you can't trade safety, that, that's for sure. Unfortunately, you do have those incidents in the, in the crowd. I, now I think it's an even bigger problem. I think when I go back to when they didn't have the nets, people are on their phones a lot at baseball games now. Like, you go back to the early 2000s, being on your phone wasn't really even an issue because it didn't have anything on it. It was literally just for making calls. But now everyone's <laughs> checking... Yeah, everyone's checking. These didn't exist. Uh huh. 
yeah, now everyone's checking Twitter. They're looking at the scores from the other games. They're texting people. They're posting pictures on Instagram. There's like so many things. So people are definitely more distracted at baseball games for sure. You can have as many signs up as you like saying watch out for fly balls, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, I don't think people are concentrating as much as perhaps they used to at games. So probably a good idea to have those nights there. Yeah, I agree. All right, open agenda time. This is where our guest gets a chance to talk about something that's uh, not baseball related. I might have kind of put you on a little track this time. Sometimes uh, I make little suggestions like, hey, you could talk about this. Yeah. Um, I think perhaps I think I might have managed to get this one. I think you might have agreed with me. All right, what do you want to talk about this week, Connor? Well, obviously going to talk about my comfort zone. We're going to talk about the crew Woo-hoo. this week. Yeah, my comfort zone. So, Graham, uh, ask away. I try to answer the best I can. Oh, I got to answer the question. Well, I'm kind of interested. We talked about, um, do you actually, do you actually, when was the, how many games do you go to? Or do you just watch them on TV? I've been to one. And that was last cool. summer. Okay. Last July. Uh, July 17th. Um, Mom got me tickets as like a early birthday for, yeah. my, eight, for my 18th birthday. Mm-hmm. Lower.com field, absolutely beautiful. Brand new, I've open last driven year. By it. Yeah, um, I've driven by it, looks beautiful. It is, and it's like, so everything is like, um, everything is cashless. So like you yeah. you buy the tickets on, on your app, like Ticketmaster or StubHub, uh-huh. whatever, one of those websites. And then you save your tickets to your wallet yep. on your phone. And um, so... When you walk, depending on which gate you went. So we went to the AEP Energy Gate, which is like the main gate. You got the you got the they they call it the crew bar. So you got the indoor bar to your left, and you got the team store to your right. And then, well, usually you have stewards or staff members scanning your tickets for you. Yeah. But at the at Lower.com Field, they have these little um, machines next to the to the turnstiles and like you pull your tickets up on your phone and like you hold them under and it scans it so like my mom went first she scanned hers so i'm outside the gate so she's inside technically and i'm outside and she scanned mine i turned the little thing um go in there and then when we first walked in there's this so there's there's about everything and um you want on that concourse um there's so when you first walk in you technically when you're in the stadium you're like in this big open area um but that's technically the stadium and then you go up some steps past the past the pub they call it the pub nice past the pub and past the team store and then boom you're in the concourse Uh uh-huh and then um of course my mom and i we uh got food, ate food, and then we went to just to uh, just to see what the field looked like because they have like these little standing room, uh, I don't know what to call them. It's like, you know, where you can like put your food and your drink and you can like stand and eat, watch the game. Yeah. yeah. Um, so like a little breakfast bar, or I kind of think of it as yeah, something similar to that. I've seen those in a few miles like, stadiums as well. Yeah. It's yeah, like it's a little like, shelf like, where you can put your foods down yeah. at the same time yeah yeah so we got there about 
probably six, six thirty. So we had an hour to kill before kickoff because uh-huh. kickoff wasn't till seven thirty. Yeah. Um, so we did we did some walking around. We I bought two shirts. Well, I bought a homage Zaryon um, t-shirt, and I bought a hoodie, which I use as like my winter jacket now. Yeah. Um, and then we went to our seats. So our seats, the way the stadium is, it's like it's like a slope, basically. I don't know if you've seen pictures or not, but it's like they have the seats at the bottom. And then across, like in the north end, they have uh, the standing terrace, which is called the Nordicek or the Nordeka, which is the support, the main supporters group uh-huh. um, in Columbus. And that terrace is like a thousand uh, standing room only. And it fits a thousand people. Nice. And so we were behind the south end goal. So like for I'm trying to how to picture this. So like the north end of the stadium is where the supporters are, where the Nordicek is. Yeah. We were on the south end. So we were behind uh, the south end goal. We were on top. So we were on the second tier. Okay. And we were about. I want to say maybe four or five rows up and um, right behind goal, perfect seats. Uh, fun time. I, I believe we played New York City FC, New York uh-huh. City Football Club. Um, first first goal of the game, Darlington Nabby's, uh he gets the pass from Pedro Santos. Uh, he's on a run, gets past two defenders, puts it in the back of the net. Um, halftime comes, we're up one. And then I tried to get to the bathroom um, early, but when I got down to the concourse level, because we have like two flights, sure. two flights of stairs to get up to where we were, uh-huh. get down to the concourse level, see the go to where the restroom is. Restroom line is clear to the other side of the stadium. Uh-huh. So I, and I had like, the, and I had like, you know, those big, you know, those big uh, souvenir cups that oh, they yeah. give you. Souvenir sodas. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I had a I had a can't talk. Um, I had a souvenir Pepsi, and yeah, it was like oh thirty-two boy. ounces probably. Yeah, trying to yeah. Um, yeah, and then anyway, go back to my seat. Well, I go back to our seats, and uh, second half starts. I believe around the sixtieth or seventieth minute, um, New York City ties the game one-one, and. The my with my mom and I's luck, we always get put near the away fans, always. <laughs> no, and so like we went to a Jackets game like the day the day before Thanksgiving last yeah. November. They played Winnipeg. We our section was like second up behind net. Lo and behold, there's a group of Winnipeg Jets fans right behind <laughs> us, hooting and hollering the whole game. Uh huh. Anyway. Um, so in this new stadium and lower.com, they put the away fans like tucked up in the right hand corner. So like I could see them if I were to turn around, I could see them. They scored stadium silent. They go nuts. Well, uh, I believe this was around the 80th minute mark. Um, crew win a free kick outside the box. Keep in mind. New York City is playing 
with their uh, second string keeper because Sean Johnson was with um, the national team in the Gold Cup, the CONCACAF Gold Cup. Um, so Zarion, Zarion is does what he does for, and he scores a direct free kick. Whole stadium goes wild. And what we didn't know at the time was that was their first ever win at Lower Dotcom Field. So I, I was actually pretty happy to see that I got to experience my uh, the first ever win at the new stadium. Sure. And it's like, it's pretty cool. It's like you watch these guys on TV and then just to see them in person. It was like, I was like a five-year-old kid again. <laughs> you reminded me of one thing I'd forgotten about my DC United experience. Because when you mentioned the fact that there was terraces, I was like, oh, wow, you don't kind of see that in American sport. <laughs> oh, yeah, in, in, in soccer anymore, for sure. I actually remembered, mm-hmm. I forgot that was the main thing that got, I was like, all right, if anything's going to get me into this, it's going to be kind of the old school English football scene where you can stand and watch the game. And I forgot they have the screaming Eagles. I think that's what they're called at DC. And they constantly, they don't just stand, they jump. They kind of bounce while you're watching the game. And I have to admit, it was pretty cool, but I still left the game around halftime. I was like, the quality of the game wasn't enough. But the atmosphere, um, the crowd singing along as well, it, it felt very like an English experience. And I, I love the passion of the fans I just couldn't get behind. I just couldn't get behind the the quality of the game. I was like, eh. I think that if I remember correct, I think it was number one versus number two. I think DC United were one, and I think New England Revolution were two at the time when I went to see that game. And mm-hmm. it was just like, eh. I, I could with watching Premier League soccer. I, I couldn't. I couldn't buy it to it, unfortunately. But yeah, the atmosphere was the atmosphere was good. It's definitely better to see a live game for sure. Like mm-hmm. I tried to watch the MLS, uh, like one of the DC United games, and that was definitely like, no, I'm not watching. It. But being there in the stadium, it mm-hmm. it definitely helps. It definitely helps when you got that atmosphere. You got different and, when you got the other fans though. If you're surrounded by rival fans, uh, that's gonna, that's a little tough. I guess you can talk some. Well, you can't even talk trash if you're outnumbered. I guess, but yeah, um, yeah. Um, the thing that I wish at more. I don't know. I think you have, you probably have European listeners like British and, you know. Yeah. Um, the thing that I wish more Europeans and um, I know soccer is big in England, especially where you're from. Yeah. I wish people like, I wish they would look at American fans and say they know what they're talking about. Like, uh-huh. um, and, and the MLS is, has been a huge part of growth of of the sport in this in the united states because when we're behind the ball game when it comes to um other leagues and other clubs who have hundred years of hundreds of years of history right behind them sure and um like for me i'm also a fan of arsenal i enjoy my european football guys yeah i know what i'm talking about Uh uh-huh Oh, it's definitely true. Like the the passion from the fans who I went to see, the knowledge from those fans as well. It yeah, it was super impressive. Um, it, it's definitely it's it feels mean to say niche sport, but it's the people who follow it are super passionate. 
Mm-hmm. It's just that there's probably not as many. I think the other sports have a lot more casual fans. I think that's probably the difference. And it becomes more of a, like for football, people will just hang out on a Sunday afternoon and drink a few beers. And it's more mm-hmm. of a, a social thing. Whereas if you're watching MLS, it's because you're passionate about MLS. You're passionate mm-hmm. about soccer. So, um, yeah, no, I would definitely agree. Fans are understanding. Fans are passionate. Uh, but, yeah, probably I don't think people necessarily always mm-hmm. uh, uh, always appreciate that. Another um, big thing is it's it's soccer is popular with the young kids um, mm-hmm. at, because which I think attributes a lot to the growth of the sport as a whole, because the more kids who start playing at a young age, um, they grow the, the sport in the country to come because mm-hmm. MLS has only been around for 26 years. You know, my club, the Columbus Crew, were the first ever team announced in 94. Um, It's just the amount of growth to see between, like, even even 10 years ago to now, especially with the United States this year making qualifying for the World Cup after they missed out on 2018. I I think this generation of American players playing in Europe. We see more and more Americans going to Europe. Um, I think this World Cup will create a lot more new soccer fans in the country. Yeah. Um, because a lot of a lot of people, they, they recognize these players. They recognize Pulisic. They recognize McKinney. They recognize Aronson. They recognize Adams. And I think that, um, and I think that us being drawn with England in the group stage, <laughs> Also has a lot to do with it because, you know, you being from England and an England supporter, that means I can talk crap with you um, <laughs> and, until November. Uh-huh. But. I remember when I returned to the States, um, I returned back to the States uh, 2009 and the World Cup in 2010. Uh, some idiot decided to hold a graduation on the day that England played the USA in their World Cup match then. And I remember in 2010, there was a lot of trash talking between the American fans and me, pretty much. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I, even though it was a dress up affair, I had my England jersey underneath my uh, smart dress attire. And as soon as that sucker had finished it it came straight off and i had my um yeah no i definitely think it helps there's definitely a good rivalry between those players but i think you're right there's a lot more american players who are playing in the top leagues now as well and those names are becoming a lot more recognizable and i think that definitely helps and i i just saw this announced today our women's team will be playing your women's team and at Wembley in october and i said i said not only do our men get to kick England's asses in November, our women get to do it too. About I a month earlier. If you're aware, um, the <laughs> England women's team won the first trophy that an England soccer team has won since 1966 at the weekend. I saw that. Uh, yeah, they won the Euro, 22, Euro 2022s. And um, yeah, no, I, I I think it was, was it 2000 uh, when they last played? I, I just remember Alex Morgan celebrating by pretending to drink a cup of tea to wind up the, but I think that was the semifinals of the World Cup, I want to say. So there's definitely a rivalry there on the women's team. I I don't know much about the American women's team now. Um, I think you've had a few people who've retired, but I think the England's team probably got a little bit stronger. So that, that could be an interesting match. Is that a friendly or is what is that match? Um, it's they're labeling as Concacaf champions versus European champions. So oh, for those okay. who don't know, Concacaf 
is like our main federation for the Caribbean, yeah. North America, South America. So like big countries like Canada, United States, Mexico, um, Panama, Costa Rica, they're all in CONCACAF. And yeah. they ran, the, a lot of people don't know this, but CONCACAF is one of the toughest qualifying um, federations in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm surprised we qualified automatically. We finished third in the group. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I thought we would be, I thought Costa Rica would take that spot. We have to play New Zealand in the playoff. But, uh-huh. but um, yeah, it's good to see the amount of growth and the amount of new fans and the amount of people interested um, in, in the sport of soccer in the country as a whole. Now, do I think it will over, overtake football? No. No. But um, it's definitely one of those things that it just puts a smile on your face to see more and more people um, being interested. I'm pretty sure as well. I know it's been true for the last couple of World Cups as well. Um, with ESPN showing every game, that makes a huge difference. When you've got a big network like that and you're making those games accessible to the masses, that makes a huge difference when you can do that. And like with this year, it's with Fox. You know, Fox is showing um, all the United States group stage games. Yeah. Even if you don't have cable, everybody gets Fox. Yeah. And, you know, that, that puts more eyes on the men's national team. Um, and then they're, they're predict So England, the England match takes place on Black Friday, the day after Thanksgiving. Yeah. They're predicting that to be the most viewed soccer match in history. Mm. I can believe that. I, I think a lot of I think a lot of I think a lot of people who aren't soccer fans and know nothing about either team, they'll just tune in to watch that game because it's United States versus England. You know? Sure. Yeah. I'm just wondering what the time is. I'm not very good with time zones, but I'm gonna guess that's gonna be accessible to American audiences. Uh, so, I'm going to guess if it kicks off at like a traditional soccer time, that's probably gonna be like mid afternoon for American audiences. Um, I'm guessing. So, all of the United States group stage games, thankfully, take place at 2 p.m. Eastern. Okay. So, 2 p.m. Eastern. My math skills. I know my math skills are good. That wasn't the issue. It was more the geography skills. I was trying to work out the time zone, figure out where Qatar was, and then work back across. Okay, yeah, no, that's perfect. Yeah, that's good. Which I'm glad they put all of our matches at 2 p.m. Yeah. Because you see some matches at like 5 a.m., 7 a.m., 8 a.m., 10 a.m. I'm like, oh, there yeah. is. Yeah, like the opening match with with Qatar kicks off at like five o'clock in the morning. I'm like, I'm going to have to. That's a problem. That's a problem. (laughs) I'll have to look, see what the England times are. Um, If England's times are similar, I'm probably going to be okay. I'm kind of lucky. My school starts really early, but the positive side of that is it finishes really early. So we finish every day at 2.05. I think I remember looking at one day and I was like, yeah, I'm not doing tutoring that day because I'm going to go and watch the uh, game. But yeah, I'm, I know obviously there's the one you mentioned on Black Friday, but yeah, I'm hoping I can get to uh, get um, to watch as many of those as possible. I didn't know they'd announced the times, actually. Or if they perhaps I'd forgotten that they'd announced Oh, they the did. Time. So they only announced the... Okay, so... And- England versus Iran on November 21st. That's 8 a.m. 8 a.m. Eastern. Um, November 25th, um, Black Friday against the United States. That's 2 p.m. Eastern. And the last game of the group stage for England against Wales is at 2 p.m. as well. November 21st is a Monday, unfortunately, so I will be working that. What was the date of the last game, did you say? 
Uh, the date of the last game is November 29th, which I believe is a Monday as well. Uh, that's a Tuesday. Uh, I might have to be taking some uh, half days or <laughs> I have some personal the, days I might be able the to The great use thing that. about being graduated is that uh-huh. I can watch all these games. <laughs> because we, we didn't let out till 2.30. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm hoping I can use. Uh, I've just signed up for Sling TV. I'm going to be keeping that goal for a little bit because I'm actually enjoying it again. I'm hoping that some of those games I can perhaps DVR them, and I can I, I can stay away from the results easy enough. I don't have many students that talk to me about soccer. Um, hopefully, then I can come straight home and then watch those games as live, I guess, as possible. But I'll, I'll have to see. Uh, or it might be on in the background, possibly while I'm teaching. Huh, I'll have to. I'll have to say. I mean, you do teach math, so <laughs> you can incorporate that into your lesson. I can't imagine anyone would complain if I put some uh, soccer on. I'm probably going to get some people who are going to immediately appeal to that. Hey, are you going to put on the uh, soccer there? <laughs> oh, so, if you don't mind me asking, do you teach like high schoolers or? High school, yeah. Okay. Uh, mainly mainly okay. freshmen because it's um, right okay. now I'm teaching algebra one. Uh, oh. I have I have a few uh, a few sophomores in there as well. Hopefully not too many seniors. <laughs> Occasionally you do still get a senior in algebra one, but normally those numbers are pretty small. Yeah, predominantly freshmen. Yeah, I think they'd be up for that. Oh, that was what I was going to mention to you. That's one of the issues with um, soccer. Like it is very popular in England. For, uh, sorry, very popular in the US at a younger age. The problem gets to when you get to high school that often it comes against other sports. And it's really difficult to, like in North Carolina, it was the same time as football. Like, forget it. Your top players are football. They're not playing soccer. And the seasons collided. Um, Where I am right now, it clashes with baseball as well. And unfortunately, your top players are going to play baseball rather than soccer. So, So, and in Ohio, it clashes with football season. Yeah. And volleyball season. Yeah. So it's like, you know, your top players are going to, your player, right now, the popular sports for, boys it's football and sure. girls it's volleyball they're gonna go play volleyball and football of course of course yeah it, it's kind of a shame but yeah you do have far more sports than like england obviously soccer is number one but cricket mm-hmm. there's a bit of a drop-off for cricket a bit of a drop-off for rugby as well but yeah like here basketball football uh, baseball that, that's three big sports straight away mm-hmm. it is it is much tougher Hey, hey! I'm glad we got to talk a little bit of soccer, but we need to get yeah. to that final round. We've got to get to the yeah. devil's advocate. Good. Bad. All right, All right, time for the devil's advocate round. Just one this week. Um, interestingly, the one I had prepared, you actually referenced it earlier, Connor, and I had to play dumb a little bit. So I know 100% you're going to understand this one, so that's going to be perfectly okay. All right, I would like you to defend for 20 seconds. Nothing shows stadium food is overpriced more than the Columbus Clippers, who are charging an outrageous 10 cents a hot dog tonight in their game against the Rochester Red Wings. Oh, um, you see, you can get... I don't know, 10 hot dogs uh, for a dollar, which is a um, reasonable price. Uh, 10 cents. I mean, you can't be 10 cents a hot dog. <laughs> I, that's all I got. 
that might be one of the meanest ones I've ever had. Um, it just happened that I looked to see if they were playing tonight, and it always lists what the promotions is, and it said a dime a dollar, dime a hot dog, like you said. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's absolutely insane. Like, I've heard of Dollar Dog Day. Dollar Dog Day is still a damn good deal if you're going to a sports game, but 10 cents. Um, it did say while supplies last. I'm thinking, yeah, I'm betting while supplies last because people are going to go crazy. Guaranteed sell out. They're totally going to sell out for that. Like, who's nobody? Who's buying nachos when it's ten? No one's paying six dollars for nachos when you can get a hot dog for ten cents. No one's buying a burger for eight dollars when you can get a hot dog for ten cents. So, yeah, I mean, no, I thought that was really cool. You can't beat a ballpark hot dog. I don't know what it is yeah. about it. You just, you just can't beat them. I agree. I totally agree with that. No, I saw that one. I was like, oh my gosh, there's no way you can, you can't defend it. Like it's easy to, it's easy to defend that 10 dot, 10 cents a beer is a bad idea because people yeah. get drunk and it ruins the game because they're obnoxious and they have fights. But to argue that a 10 cent hot dogs. Are, yeah, no, that was just such a ridiculous extreme. I did have one other one, but I realized I was like, you're going to be too young. I don't think you're going to know. Are you familiar with Hunter Pence? I've heard the name, but okay. and right that, now that was, I'm like, I'm drawing a blank. <laughs> I know him from the Astros, um, but that was, uh, he started playing for them in 2007. Uh, he went to the Giants and played from them from 2012 to 2020. Um, he's also, he's one of those names. People used to have stupid signs for him. Um, I can't remember, like Hunter Pence. He doesn't uh, won't put ketchup on hot dogs. It was just like the most surreal signs imaginable. Anyway, the reason it was going to be the devil's advocate is there was a quote that related to him. And I was like, what? No disrespect to Hunter Pence. But um, this was the first inning of the All-Star softball game. Uh, Vladimir Guerrero Sr. had come in to pinch hit for Bad Bunny. And he flied out to Hunter Pence, missing the home run by a few feet. The commentator said... From one current Hall of Famer to a future Hall of Famer. And then your devil's advocate was going to be uh, Hunter Pence should be in the Hall of Fame in 2025 as his first. And I was like, that might be a bit too obscure. Now, um, I looked up Hunter Pence's stats and I'm going to see. I'll let you think. Let's see if this sounds like a Hall of Famer to you. Um, I might be a little bit mean to him. Uh, all right. He played uh, 1,707 games. So he played for quite a long time. He had 1,700 hits. Not Not too bad. Uh, less than a thousand RBIs. Uh, he struck out 1,335 times. He had 244 home runs, and his lifetime batting average was 279. Now, admittedly, you could be a good center fielder as well. It's not just on batting, but somebody batting 279 with 244 home runs with nearly as many strikeouts as hits, I think that's being a little disingenuous to say that he's going to be a Hall of Famer. Here, here's the thing. Babe Ruth, Babe Ruth struck out as many times as he hit home runs, right? So, and Babe Ruth's a Hall of Famer. Now, that's a little so, different, though. How many home runs did uh, Hunter Pence have? 244, but he struck out 1,335 times. I think strikeouts as many times as home runs is a little bit better than strikeouts compared yeah, to yeah. hits. Every, every power hitter is going to strike out more than they. Yeah. It's bound to happen. 
I, I just thought a 270... Hunter Pence does not take me as a... Vlad Guerrero Sr., definite Hall of Famer. He's already in the books. That one wasn't of question. But I think the commentator just backed himself into a corner. But I was like, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a bad little bit of commentary there. But Hey, anyway, so, you managed to get through your 20 seconds on the hot dog just about. So, hey, that was one of the tougher ones. As I wrote it, I was like, that's a tough one. I normally, I can find a loophole. And I was like, I can't see a loophole for this one. I was like, ah. We'll go with it. But then when you mentioned it earlier, I was like, great, you already know about this one. So I know that you'll be able to understand it. Hey, Connor, thank you so much for coming on. It was great to talk not just baseball, but a little bit of uh, soccer as well. Uh, nice to know a little bit more about Columbus. I am definitely going to get to a crew game at some point because I love seeing these stadiums. And having driven by that one, it looks absolutely beautiful. So I want to check that out at some point. Hey, tell us where we can find you on uh, social media. Tell us about where we can find you when you're reviewing your crew games. Tell us all that fun stuff. All right. So um, first off, you can find me on the YouTubes. Um, just search Connor No Soccer. That's K-O-N-O-R and then No Soccer. Um, I'm, li- I'm live for every crew game I can be. Um, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, excuse me. <laughs> um, I'm, I, I do live streams whenever I can, yeah. watch games, whatever. Um, I'm known for my crew stuff, but what a lot of people don't know is I also do um, U.S. Men's National Team stuff as well. And starting on Friday, I'm going to be um, trying, I'm going to watch every Arsenal game um, oh. live on stream just to diversify the content a little bit. Okay. Um, football season's coming up. I may even throw in Ohio State game or two in there. Um, it, it just depends um, what I feel like and what I feel not feel and what I don't feel like doing. Um, Field of Dreams game, uh, Cincinnati Reds, Chicago oh, Cubs next Thursday. Might do that one. Oh. I just I just don't know. It's like a lot of these things. It's day off decision. It's like, do I really want to? <laughs> um, and then you can vote. Um, I have two Twitter. I have a personal account and a. Um, youtube account or a podcast account um my personal account is at connor mccabe it's k-o-n-o-r um m-c-c-a-b-e all together um no spaces that's my personal account um i tweet about sports on there sometimes um but if you want my uh soccer uh takes and where i'm more active um you can follow me at at connor knows footy that's k-r and K-O-N-O-R, Nose Footy. Um, or if you just uh, search the hashtag Crew96 hashtag, you'll, you're bound to find me on there. I'm always always on Crew Twitter talking about something or making myself making an idiot of myself and contradicting somebody. So <laughs> that's where you can find me. Um, my last promotion for myself is I have have a brand new podcast a premier league podcast called connor on the clock um it's k-o-n-r on and the clock is spelled with the k so k-l-o-c-k um kind of a play on my name there yeah. um it's all about the premier league so if that's something you're interested in i go live every monday at 3 p.m eastern with the audio uh, with the live recording and the audio version which i just dropped today is out um every tuesday at varying times but it's always out on a tuesday and nice. that's all I got for myself. 
Hey, perfect. I will try and make sure I get some of those included in the episode notes as well. So if you didn't manage to take those down, <laughs> I can easily put in your YouTube account. I can easily put in your Twitter account uh, just to make sure everyone's got that. Uh, yeah, once again, Connor, thank you very much. Great to talk some Reds and uh, good luck for the crew for the rest of the season. I hope you are going to do Thanks, that Field of Dreams. If you do that Field of Dreams, I'll definitely be listening. I didn't even realize that was next week. I think I might possibly have future good cop moment in the book already. I didn't realize it was quite that close. <laughs> Yeah, it's next week. I'm excited for it. So the last year's was fun. So absolutely. The music was "Happy Happy Game Show" by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com, licensed under Creative Commons. By attribution 3.0. HTTP colon slash slash creativecommons.org slash licenses slash by slash 3.0 slash.